have to be unafraid to share the parts of yourself that make you unique. Be very mindful of this entire portfolio of your story that you're creating through social media. Send a specific message that really connects to that person that you're trying to reach. Aim to listen 70% of the time and speak 30%. Hey everybody, welcome to PepsiCo's Unexpected Professor Podcast. I'm your host, John Palumbo. So we created this podcast for all you college students out there who uh, have probably heard about all those skills that you're going to need when you graduate and you head off into uh, the workforce or into what some people call the quote-unquote real world. Skills like making a great first impression, um, telling telling your story, your personal story, even managing rejection. And the thing is, these aren't necessarily skills that they teach you or spend a lot of time teaching you about in college. I I don't think there's many courses dedicated to these things. So if you need help, you end up maybe going on the web or what have you, and you start to find a lot of the same old tips and strategies from very expected sources. And while that information's great, we wanted to do things in a different way. We wanted to show you the power of finding strategies and approaches from very unexpected sources. And, and that's something, the reason we're doing that is, this is something that PepsiCo does every day to help the, the employees in their organization build skills, um, create new innovative products, even just to get everybody really thinking differently. So each episode of this podcast is going to give you the opportunity to experience this philosophy or this approach while helping you build those real-world skills that you keep hearing about. Now, all that being said, today's unexpected professor is dating expert Damona Hoffman. Hey, Damona. Thanks for being here. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Now, you might be wondering why we're speaking to a dating expert, why a dating coach. But if you consider those skills that I mentioned earlier, those things like making a great first impression, uh, telling your personal story, even, even managing rejection, these are things that a dating expert, a dating coach, teaches their clients you know, on a regular basis. So I figured, let's see what we could learn from Demona. Now, in the way of a little bit of background, Demona is... Uh, a, a dating expert who ha- starred in two A&E Network's TV series. Um, she also is a contributor for CNN, Headline News, BET.com, The Washington Post, Match, y- you name it. And she also hosts the weekly podcast Dates and Mates with Demona Hoffman and basically speaks all the time across the country on relationships and, and communication. Um, so what I'm going to do is ask Demona a bunch of questions about the approaches she uses when coaching her clients and then try to find those strategies and approaches that maybe you can leverage when you get out into the workforce. Um, okay, so Demona, let's get started. So I think a lot of us have heard about dating coaches. We've heard about this field, but we might not know exactly what goes into it. So maybe you could explain what a dating coach or a dating expert does who your clients are, the services you offer, things like that. I help people with every aspect of dating from creating a dating profile all the way through preparing for a first date and ultimately through beginning a new relationship to start it off in a different direction than maybe relationships have begun in the past for that client. That's great. So 
So I, I think it's I think it's safe to say that it that a dating expert or a dating coach isn't really a traditional job. And and there's a good chance that that some of the students out there listening to this might be interested in pursuing careers in more non-traditional fields. They might even end up working at a large company, you know, like a PepsiCo, and see an opportunity to create a niche or non-traditional position or job. So so learning about your journey could be really helpful and inspiring to them. So with that in mind, I'd love to know how you got where you are. Like, how did you end up becoming a dating coach? How did you how did you learn the profession? I'm pretty sure there's not a, a dating dating coach one on one class being offered out there. So, I'd just love to hear how you got there, how you how you got the skills that you needed, things like that. John, I'll tell you, I'm like the queen of career reinvention. <laughs> there certainly wasn't a dating coach track when I got my bachelor's degree. And I ended up going into television actually as a casting director. Huh. So I worked behind the scenes and teaching actors how to really market themselves and brand themselves to be visible to a casting director. I had a, a whole program that I taught on the side of my my traditional job at CBS television. And at that time, online dating was coming into its own. And it was really in the beginning days. There was not even, dating apps didn't even exist. Ah. But online dating, old school online dating was what I was doing to meet somebody outside of my my regular um, sphere of the people that I was meeting day to day. And I found that there were a lot of similarities between what I would tell a cast, uh, what I would tell an actor to do to get noticed by a casting director and to have a headshot that really stood out and told their story and what I needed to do to get noticed by the kind of men that I wanted to meet. So oh, once I did those tricks to my profile that I used to teach actors, I ended up meeting my husband. And then so many people came to me saying, well, I tried online dating. It doesn't work. Or what is this online dating <laughs> thing? And I started out initially as a profile writer, all the while I was working up the chain. You, you mentioned corporate jobs. I, I had all of them. I worked at Paramount Television. I worked at NBC and created their talent diversity program. I worked at the Sci-Fi Channel. And all the while I was helping people write dating profiles on the side. <laughs> That's great. And so then I, I ended up realizing that this was something that really could be a full-time career and pursued that starting with dating profile writing, but then getting certified as a dating coach to be able to take people through the entire process of dating. It's really interesting how you basically created a career by taking your skills from casting and reapplying them to a space where you saw a need. I mean, I think that alone is 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 a really interesting lesson for everyone listening and listening. I mean, you might you might have a knack for something or a skill and basically notice that hey, I'm helping a lot of people with this and and no and and find a way to turn that into a non-traditional career or or even a a non-traditional position at a bigger company. I mean, I always use this example and I think it's really apropos here. I mean, let's say you're you're the type of person who easily adopts new technologies and you're always introducing those things to the people around you and helping them learn to use them. Uh, you might land land a job at a really big company where adaptability is a hurdle. In other words, um, employees aren't comfortable adopting new technology. And you could leverage your skill and create an opportunity for yourself that doesn't currently exist. Um, it's, really, it's, it's just a matter of keeping your eyes and ears open so you can spot those opportunities the way Demona did. Um, okay, so, Demona, let's let's talk about expectations. Now, 
as you can imagine, there, there are college students out there who are listening to this who have an idea of the things that they want and expect when they enter the workforce. They might know the you know, exact type of job they want. They might know where they want their job to be located. They might expect to be in a certain salary range. Um, they might even know what they want the dress code to be at the company that they work for. And look, it's great to, to know what you want, but sometimes having a checklist of things can be dangerous because you can miss out on a great opportunity because it doesn't because something doesn't meet all of your criteria or check all of your boxes. Now, when it comes to your world, it seems like lots of people who are looking for love have a checklist, right? This list of must-haves, this list of deal-breakers for their ideal match. You might even say that some of them might be uh, too picky. So can you tell, tell me how you reel in your clients and help them set more realistic expectations and create a more appropriate list of things that they're looking for? I think, I think hearing this might help the college students who are listening more effectively manage their expectations so that they don't miss out on an amazing opportunity that they may not have considered because it didn't check all those boxes. There is a quote from Anne Lamott that I often share with my clients, and it's expectations are resentments waiting to happen. <laughs> so I try to really help them manage their expectations. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have hopes and dreams and aspirations for something, or in my case, for the relationship, in the case of some of the, the students that are listening, for that dream job. But it means it might come in a different package than you're used to. One of the techniques that I use with my clients is we create either a vision board or something called a living vision, where you write out a narrative of your ideal life, your ideal relationship, six months, 12 months in the future. And I find that when you get into the feeling of what that goal or that dream is, that can guide you better than actually having a specific checklist or a specific <laughs> name of a company, you right. know, a specific name of a person or, or body type or height or amount of money that they make that is on your list. When you really release from those specifics and you get into, how do I want to feel when I'm with this person? What, what do I need to do to, to manifest this for myself? Then I, it's a little bit easier actually for me to create a a plan. And that's what I do for my clients. I create a dating plan. I say like, you need a plan to meet your man, <laughs> but right. create that plan. Once you know what the, what the end feeling is, you know, I've seen situations where people put a picture of a particular, a particular person of specific body type, a specific hair color that they wanted to meet and ended up meeting that person. But for me, it's, that's not what it's about. And when I coach my clients on finding a relationship, I have them look at what are the values that they are looking for in that person and what are their long-term goals. And those are the things that I think would help the students listening to get aligned with when they're looking for that ideal company to start their career with. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. And I think yours is, is definitely an approach that could help students when they're, when they're thinking about their career or choosing a company because they might be making a list of specifics, which could be really hard to get, and they probably should think more about the way they want to feel and their goals. So, so for example, those of you who are listening, you're, you might be looking for jobs and, and have a non-negotiable list of what you're looking for. And one of those things might be that, you know, you have to work at a, 
at a small startup company because you believe that's the type of company where you'll be able to make a big impact right out of the gate. But if you, if you take Demona's advice instead and you make a list of how you want to feel or maybe your broader goals, you might include something on your list like, I want my voice to be heard instead of, I want to work at a startup. And if you do that, you might come across a company like PepsiCo, for example, where, where their whole employment value proposition is what makes you unique makes us better. In other words, they encourage you to bring your perspectives and your passions and your skills to the table. And what's, and what's great is if, by taking this approach, you're not only getting what you want by building your list in a different, maybe more meaningful way, you're also unlocking a lot more opportunities and options for yourself. Um, okay, so, so Demona, there's this old adage, you only get one chance to make a first impression, and I think the listeners know how important it is to make a great first impression, it's definitely a skill that they're going to need, you know, for job interviews, when they meet new coworkers, when they're networking, really throughout their entire career, so I thought it would be, it would, it would actually make sense to speak to you about this, since making a a good first impression is, is crucial in dating. So that being said, do you give your clients advice on how to make a great first impression, whether it's online or in person? And if so, what types of things do you tell them? Yes, John, it is crucial. That first impression, it, you never get a second chance to make a first impression, as mm-hmm. you said. So you have to make sure that you are putting your best foot forward that first time. And I think a lot of people forget that the online life now, that is part of your profile. Whether you choose to link your Instagram to your dating app, which you can do now on many dating apps, or not, people are going to search for you. They're going to find out that totality of who you are, and that is going to inform their first impression of you. So we really have to be mindful, and this is something I do with my clients, in cleaning up not only your social media and the the public face that you're giving people, your dating profile, but then also the way that you present in real life because you never know who's watching. And if you're setting yourself up for a date and you get that first chance to to shake hands or give them a hug and and present yourself, it won't come again. I also find that in dating, people remember two things most from a first date. They remember the first moment and the last moment. And you'll, if you think back to a lot of dates that you had, you go, well, I don't really know much of what happened in the middle, but I can tell you exactly what my husband was wearing the first time I met him. Hmm. And I can tell you exactly what happened at the end of our date. And I really coach my clients to be mindful of that when they're creating the experience of the first date. It's it's so true that you remember the first moment and the last moment of a first date or or any meeting really for that matter. And I think I think your advice of of being mindful of that is is really great for for the students listening when they when they go on interviews or or they're networking or or even if they get a job and are and are meeting where they need to meet customers or clients. Um you know, be be mindful of the first and last moments because those are what people remember most. Um, now, now, Demona, a big part of of dating involves telling your story, especially at the very beginning when you're trying to get someone interested in you. And 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 obviously, people tell their story 
in their dating profiles. They tell their story on a first date or, or maybe if they meet somebody at a party or somewhere. Um, can you tell us some of the ways you help your clients tell their story? Maybe advice that you, you give them about writing their dating profiles or things that they should focus on during a first date or, or when they meet someone that they're interested in. I, I, think, I think your advice, the advice that you give to your clients about how, how to tell their story in the dating world could arm the students listening to this with, with some approaches that they could use in all those situations where they need to tell their story, like uh, online on job search sites, uh, in person during job interviews, or maybe when they're networking or even on their resumes and cover letters. Well, you said most people are telling their story through their dating profiles, but I would actually say a lot of people are not. They they have one picture that – they have a, a series of pictures, actually, that are nice, pretty photos that their grandma would put on their mantle, <laughs> but they don't actually have any – any detail to them that really informs you about the person that they are. So that, so one thing I really do encourage clients to do when they're creating their profile is to think about the three C's and the three C's stand for color, context, and character. And color is a good tip for anyone that's trying to get noticed in the professional world as well. I counsel my clients to use the color red, you think of a stop sign, we're programmed to see that red stop sign and halt and pay attention. So when someone's swiping through a bunch of different dating profiles or sorting through a bunch of different resumes, if you have a look, if you have color that really captures their attention, they're going to stop and look deeper. <laughs> the second C is for character. This is this is where you really tell your story through your photos. You give, uh, you give your personality in in this element. And then the third C is for context. This is what is your life about? What do you enjoy doing? So when that's for the dating profile. When we apply it to a more professional sense, you can't do that all of the time in your photos because you might get one photo on a resume, but it better be a photo that really sells who you are. And also remember your Gmail is linked to a photo of you. So when someone emails you and you reply back, you're going they're going to see your face there. So be very mindful of this entire portfolio of your story that you're creating through social media, through the words that you choose to say, and you really think about telling what's unique about you. That's that's all my my website is all about loving as you are. That's my tagline. Love as you are. But you to do that, you have to you have to be unafraid to share the parts of yourself that make you unique. And that's something also as a former diversity executive that I'm always I was always trying to draw out of people to use that story to move them forward mm. because it's it's that that's the element that companies are looking for, that they need those individual stories, your individual experiences to be able to reach a broader, a broader audience. Yeah, that's a great point. I especially like the strategy of sharing the parts of yourself that make you unique, especially, especially during job interviews. I mean, that's the time when you need to stand out and sharing those unique things about yourself will allow you to do that. And companies want to hear these things. And, and you're right, Demona. I mean, they look for it. And, and, and like I said, like I said earlier, at, at PepsiCo, their whole employee proposition is what makes you unique makes us better. So 
they're definitely a company that that wants to learn about your unique passions and perspectives and skills. Um, okay, so so moving on, Demona, there are a ton of sites and apps designed to to help you find love. And interestingly, there are a ton of sites and apps designed to help you find jobs. So I'd love to know if there's one big lesson or piece of advice that you give your clients for online dating, just to, just to see if there's, if there's a way we can tie that back to the situation the students who are listening are in. I've found, and I've coached clients through taking the time to send a specific message that really connects to that person that you're trying to reach. And I find that the response rate is much, much higher rather than a 20 or 30, 30% response rate. You're getting more like 70 or 80 when that person feels like you've taken the time to really figure out what makes them tick and connect with them on that level. Yeah, that's great. And it's absolutely a strategy that can be reapplied for the students who are listening. I mean, whether whether you're looking for a job or networking or even in, in if, you, if you end up in a client service job, take the time to figure out what makes that person tick and send a message that really connects to them. I mean, for example, if you're using a professional networking site like LinkedIn, check and see if that person that you want to connect with has self-published an article on LinkedIn and mention that in your note to them. I mean, instead of just sending a, a canned a canned note or a canned introduction, or, or let's say you're interviewing, don't don't just research the company. Research the person who you'll be interviewing with and learn about them a bit, so that you could have a deeper conversation with them and you could connect on a deeper level. Um, okay, so Demona, so your clients they they let's say they take all the things that you've taught them and they put them into practice and they land that big first date, what are some important do's or don'ts that you teach them for, for, the, for, you know, for a first date? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that your advice for, for that situation, for the big date, could actually come in handy for the students listening to this for those big meetings that, they, that, that they're going to have, whether it be the you know, a, a first interview or, or just an important meeting once they enter the workforce. So um, smiling is the first thing. When you are smiling, you look engaging and that person wants to engage with you. They want to be smiling too. And sometimes it feels really awkward. Like if you're at a networking event or you're sitting at a, at a, a coffee shop and you want to attract the attention of someone and you sit there smiling, you feel like a big dope <laughs> because you're smiling about nothing, but that person doesn't know that you're, you're not thinking about the way that you're being perceived. So a smile is really important. Eye contact is really important and doing it the right way, not staring the person down, (laughs) but making sure that they feel like you're hearing them by making eye contact when they're speaking Hmm. and then looking away when it's appropriate to take in the environment. Right. So and so building on that last question a little bit, I think I think we've all been in situations, whether it's dating or business, especially business when networking when it comes to business, where the conversation's going pretty well, and then it hits a wall, right? And there's that uncomfortable silence. Do you somehow prepare clients for those awkward silences in the conversation? Not only do I prepare them for silences, I encourage silences, um, and I find also women are more 
more predisposed to want to fill in that space. So especially when I'm working with women, I encourage them to get comfortable with silence and see what comes out of those silent moments. We don't always have to fill the space. Sometimes some someone might be processing what you're saying. Sometimes they might be just taking you in. So it's okay to have moments of silence when you rush to fill those moments out of feeling uncomfortable, a lot of times that's when you say the wrong thing or that's when you make them feel uncomfortable. But if you can just rest in the silence for a moment, something magical does tend to happen. Live in the silence. I, I love that. And I think that I think it's it's a simple tip that can really come in handy for the students listening, especially during interviews or client meetings where um you know let's say an interviewer or a potential client might be considering something that you said. So they're, they're, they're not, it's not an awkward silence. They're just thinking about and, and kind of processing something that you might've said. Uh, so Demona, we, we've, we've all left meetings and questioned something that we might've said and we, and we might end up dwelling on it and wishing we could take it back or somehow correct it. What advice would you give to a client in this type of situation? Well, it all begins with first preparing to not say the wrong thing and thinking about what questions you have before you go into the date uh, to drive the conversation in the direction that you want. And then when you're in the date, really practicing active listening instead of trying to impress the other person and trying to come off intelligent and fabulous really focusing on what that person is saying. And in, in one of my podcast episodes, I did a a masterclass on communication and I said, really aim to listen 70% of the time and speak 30%. If you're only speaking 30% of the time, there's a, there's less of a chance that you're going to uh, put your foot in your mouth. But if you are really being authentic and showing up as your true self, that that is you those things are coming if you're if you're reacting to what's being said and that's your authentic reaction if that person doesn't like it that tells you that maybe that's not the right fit for you maybe that's not the right person for you love your advice to aim to listen 70% of the time and speak 30% i mean this that could be such a game changer Um, For those of you listening, I mean, especially when you're interviewing, because it really forces you to be present and listen to what the interviewer is saying and asking, and you can respond in in, in just a more thoughtful way. It's it's actually also just great advice for any meeting um, that you have that you're going to have when you um, when you enter the workforce. Um, So, Demona, let's let's say one of your client has uh, clients has the first date. How do you coach them through the follow up? so that they don't seem too pushy or eager. I think we've all heard the rules of, of how long you're supposed to wait before you contact somebody and things like that. And, and obviously, follow-up is huge in business, I mean, especially after an interview. So the advice that you give your clients, I want to see if it could help the students listening, with the, help them follow up the right way with recruiters or potential employers or even people that they've been networking with. I'm glad you asked this. And- Follow-up is actually one of the tenets of my 30-day dating playbook. I actually teach people that follow-through is the thing that is the follow-through is the difference between you having a great date 
and then that not leading anywhere and you actually following that date up to a second date and a third. You have to be gracious, first of all, thank the person for the date and thank them for your their time. Time is your most valuable resource mm -hmm. and you're not going to get any more of it. So someone choosing to spend, whether it's an hour or two dates with you, someone choosing to spend their time with you is something that's valuable and worth being acknowledged. Forget who pays on the date. We could have a whole conversation about that. But just the the gift of their time is something that has to be acknowledged. And then most of the follow-up now happens over text or DM. And I think that's totally appropriate. You just have to respect that person's boundaries and the the cadence that is comfortable for them. So you might be the kind of person that likes to text from sunup to sundown, but if you notice that they're not responding back in the same with the same frequency that you are, take a step back and try to match their style of communication a little bit more and you'll probably get a better response in your follow through. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, you really do have to consider the way people want to communicate, especially since there's so many ways to do it. I mean, and it goes beyond following up. I mean, I would actually recommend to the students out there that you try to get in the practice of noting how people want to communicate from, from a hiring manager and a recruiter to your coworkers, to your future clients, to your boss, everyone has an approach that they're most comfortable with. And if you take the time to figure it out and, and like Damona says, match their style, you're going to really open up the lines of communication with, their per, with that person. I mean, that, that's a simple but huge lesson and in, in, in insight. Um, okay, Damona, so let's talk about good old rejection. How do you help your clients deal with the fact that rejection might happen? Not only might rejection happen, rejection <laughs> is going to happen. Right. And I'm very transparent about that at the beginning of the process. But I tell my clients that when you feel that you are rejected, sometimes it's not a rejection of you. It's maybe a rejection of this situation for factors that are outside of your control. But I tell them you're either being spared or prepared. You're either being spared a lot of drama in going down the path with a relationship that might not work out, or you're being prepared for something greater. And I try to look at each rejection as an opportunity to learn more about yourself, to learn more about your dating style and what you're doing on a date, so that you can better yourself and be more prepared the next time you have an opportunity. Yeah, I don't think enough of us look at rejection as a learning opportunity. I think I think instead we just dwell on the rejection. So so for the students out there listening, if if you don't get that job or or when you're out in the workforce, if you don't land that client or that project, you know, take a step back and consider what you can learn from that experience. What what can you take from it and learn? Um, and use next time and, and maybe even take some comfort in the in the fact that maybe it just wasn't right for you anyway I mean I mean this this conversation is really interesting because this idea of learning from rejection kind of reminds me of how a lot of companies from startups to larger companies like PepsiCo are looking at failure and how they're encouraging their employees they're saying, look, learn from failure. It's okay to fail as long as you learn from it. So we, we've, um, we've covered a lot of ground here, Demona. And, uh, and it's, I think there's sure a lot have. of, <laughs> I think there's a lot of strategies that are 
used in dating that, that the students listening could apply to things like networking, job interviews, other areas and situations that they're going to face when they get out into the so-called, quote-unquote, real world. But before we sign off, I wanted to ask you, is there, is there a piece of advice or maybe a tactic that, you know, or a coaching approach that we didn't discuss that you think the students listening could use when they get out into the workforce or when they get out into the real world? That's a great question, John. Um, I, I think it's it's really about remembering that you are in control. I tell my clients, you're in control of your dating destiny, but you're in control of your life destiny overall. And sometimes we do get caught up in those decisions that we've made that didn't go the way that we thought they would go. And we let that add up to something that it doesn't necessarily mean. Hmm. And I look at, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, I've had many career transitions. I've held many different jobs and uh, I've worked with many different clients. And I found that through each of those experiences, it has helped inform me and make me the person that I am. So I don't look at any of it as wasted. Some people would say like, well, you were in a ca- you were a casting director for so many years and you wasted that time. I absolutely didn't. I use my casting experience Mm -hmm. every day when I'm dating coaching. So if you can adopt that mindset that each of these moments is adding up to the whole and helping you, helping you build your dream life, then none of those decisions, none of those moments are wasted and you can really enjoy the ride that you're about to go on. Such great advice. So, Demona, thank you so much for all the time. This, I mean, this was really great. I, 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 you know, we we really appreciate you doing this with us. This was wonderful for me, and I love talking to students and helping them really design their life and design the kind of relationships that make the world a better place. Okay, and for you students out there, I hope we were able to show you how you could take some strategies from the dating world and reapply them for all types of situations that you're going to face when when you graduate. And remember, when you're looking for inspiration and you're looking for ideas, don't limit yourself to those expected sources. Do what we did here and consider unexpected sources as well. Like I said earlier, this is something that PepsiCo does to infuse diversity of thought, create new products, spur innovation, even build employee skills, and and we wanted you to to have the opportunity to experience that. And of course, if you want to be part of a culture like that, you should check with your career center to see if or when PepsiCo will be on your campus at a career fair or maybe in a classroom or, or partnering with a student organization. And of course, check out opportunities at PepsiCoJobs.com. And when you apply, of course, be sure to indicate that you heard about the opportunities through this podcast series. Thanks so much for listening.